This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 253 with Richard Wilson. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at how to invest capital for the ultra-affluent. My guest in this episode is Richard Wilson. Richard helps $100 million and more net worth families create and manage their single-family offices and currently manages 14 clients including mandates with three billionaire families and is also the CEO of a $500 million single family office and head of direct investments for another family office with over $200 million in assets. Quite a busy man. The Wilson Holding Company is also the exclusive wine importer and wine brand representative for Hofkellerei des Fürsten von Liechtenstein, the 600-year-old vineyard owned by the princely family of Liechtenstein. Richard is the author of the number one best-selling book in the family office industry, The Single Family Office, Creating, Operating, and Managing the Investments of a Single Family Office, and a recently released book called How to Start a Family Office, Blueprints for Setting Up Your Single Family Office. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MCLobsher or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja to 44222. To ensure you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps on the Apple and Google Play app stores. Are you interested in real estate investing but don't know where to start? Join Ops Properties is the premier provider of turnkey lease option investment properties. With their proven system, you can have cash flow within 30 days. To get cash flow within 30 days, go to joinopsproperties.com. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on here. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners and how you got into the family office space? Sure. Um, so a decade ago, um, I found that when meeting with family office, uh, wealth management firms, and individual single family offices, that it was pretty hard to know what was important to them. Most of them were not talking to each other. Most people had never heard of the word family office before back in 2006. And I just found myself learning through Braille and just through meeting in person with as many of them as I could. And to teach myself you know, what I was learning at these meetings and ingrain it further in my mind, I would just share it online and anonymize the names to say, oh, I'm at these two family offices this week. This is what I picked up. This is what I see. Here's a trend I'm starting to see. And I kind of um, accidentally created a business off of that. Um, so it turned into familyoffices.com. It turned into me speaking in 14 countries a couple hundred times. And then, you know, over the last 10 years, you know, we've built up a 20 person team and, you know, four different business divisions and, 
you know, built a business around making the family office industry more efficient. Now, for some of my listeners that have no idea what a family office is, as you mentioned, not a lot of people did around 2006, and it's becoming a little bit more popular and out there within the wealth creation space. Can you share exactly what it is? Sure. Um, Family office is simply a solution for managing the full balance sheet uh, for an ultra wealthy individual more holistically than you would normally get through a wealth management firm alone. So the problem is once you're worth 10, 20, 100 million, or, or especially if you're worth much more, um, just making one mistake could cost you more than it would cost to hire two full-time people just to stare at your balance sheet, protect you from wolves and prevent you from making stupid mistakes. It would cost you more than what their salaries cost. You know, like, the small little tax mistake of selling an asset too early or too late or in the wrong structure, or your insurance guy didn't talk to your tax guy, paperwork didn't get filed on time, et cetera, can be so costly that you need something holistic at the core, not only to do exciting, productive, growth-oriented things, but also to play defense and make sure that regulations, uh, tax laws, et cetera, are being followed. So you have your A-team of all these advisors under one roof communicating with each other, making sure that everything, as you mentioned, uh, is holistic and in place, uh, putting you in the best possible situation and the family with inside this family office. Um, now, are there different classes of family offices? You've mentioned a single family office. And what are some of the structures of a family office? Sure. So the two main types would be a single family office for one individual or one family, uh, such as one of my clients. He sold his business to a private equity firm for over $300 million. He came to me and said, hey, I need to set up my own single family office. That's different from, you know, uh, on Monday, I have a thousand person uh, family office conference actually in Miami with 75 speakers on stage. Most of those speakers, um, about 40, uh, I would say out of the 75, are multifamily offices. So uh, those family offices are those that serve maybe a dozen clients. Some of them only serve five clients. Most of them are aiming, though, to serve clients at 10 million, 20 million, or 50 million and above in a more holistic way than a normal wealth management firm would. But they serve multiple clients, not just one. Now, what are some of the common philosophical approaches and principles to wealth building within inside these structures uh, that you've seen? And are there certain checklists that you've kind of seen uh, overlap with a lot of these family offices? For sure. Um, I've done like an hour-long talk on this exact topic before, but if I boil it down to just a sentence or two, I would say that approaching things so that you're either building a platform of like assets that feed off each other, cross sell into each other. One business is a lead generator for another business or dominating a niche area and acquiring a lot of assets or intellectual property or know-how within one area so that every, so you see more opportunities than others. You see the best opportunities first. You have the ability to quickly move through due diligence, quickly know the true market value of things, and have what would effectively in the stock market be considered as insider knowledge on what's going on. But, you know, in most areas, obviously check with your attorney, but in most areas, insider knowledge is just how you make a lot of money in different business niches. If it's not publicly traded stocks or publicly traded security, uh, for example, there's a commercial real estate group in New York that invests in office buildings. 
but they also do all the leasing in the same area for office buildings. They also do property management. They also do facilities management. So they know which buildings are having maintenance problems. They know which buildings are not being leased out or have a lease that's about to end maybe before the asset owner even knows that. So that on the street knowledge day to day is leverage. And so I would say uh, there's many different strategies and best practices and checklists to go through. They could be talked about for well over an hour, but uh, most consistently for first generation families, it's making sure that for at least part of their portfolio, they're either building a platform or they're dominating a niche. And that's something that you talk a lot about, too. I think it was Confucius uh, that said he who chases many rabbits catches none, uh, which is a big differentiator from these families and these first-generation families. Then the average person that's trying to build it, there's so many moving parts, and we're trying to uh, focus on so many things that they're focused on their unique human ability, uh, as I like to call it, their stupid human trick, right? Their exact niche uh, that they absolutely dominate. Right. And I think uh, you said it very well. And I think you're going to steal my thunder a little bit later if you, um, if we talk about the most important, you know, uh, principles, uh, type topic, um, about the unique ability part. Uh, but I think that's, that's absolutely true. And it's oftentimes the second, third generation that, um, not that I ever find as bad. You know, every client needs to take the risk that's appropriate for themselves. They can't make a blanket statement, but, in general, many second, third, fourth generation families uh, diversify to the extreme because it's very hard to identify the family's unique ability after the first and second generation and whatever created that enormous wealth, that confidence might dissipate, those abilities and knowledge might dissipate. And then, you know, they're not playing a lot of offense. They're mostly playing a defensive game, trying not to lose the family as well. And this ties into my next question of about what a typical portfolio would look like inside of these family offices. And uh, that also involves also uh, direct investment and, and assets. Is that something that you find in there? And what, what would some of the other uh, things be inside this office as far as an overall portfolio structure? Sure. Well, anyone that sits down with anyone else and says, you know, here's what you should put in your portfolio without first asking you, you know, 50 or 100 questions. You know, you should just leave that meeting as quickly as possible. And, uh, you know, uh, the most important thing is to figure out why does someone want to start a family office? What are the past pain points? What are their risk preferences? Where do they want to go? Why? What motivates the family? How much, how much chaos are they okay with? How much control do they demand? And then after you know all those things, there's more questions that come out of that. And you learn the history of the family. You learn their abilities and their resources. And then you can set forth what might be appropriate for them and, and discuss that, of course. Um, so I think it's important to say upfront so people just don't take a cookie cutter approach to what I'm about to say. But we found through a benchmark study of 180 family offices, and this is pretty well in line with other benchmark studies that were not done by us, um, that about 75% of family offices allocate towards real estate besides their primary residences, which usually are two to five primary residences. They also are investing into commercial real estate or building up portfolios of single family real estate. And when they do of that group, that 75%, it's typically about 25% uh, of their allocation. The exceptions are found is if um, somebody's made their money in real estate, it oftentimes will be 70 or 80% um, of their assets, a very large percentage because they're playing in multiple areas. You know, one of my clients that I was just 
speaking to this morning, uh, a couple of brothers are worth several tens of million of dollars. Um, you know, they have commercial real estate operating businesses. They have invested in technology related to the commercial real estate space. They also acquire apartment buildings, uh, grow them, hold on to them, and then sell them for a profit. So they have a diversified, you know, platform in the real estate space. And, you know, they, they might seem very, very concentrated uh, to the average wealth management person that says, oh, how stupid, you know, they're putting all their eggs in this one basket. What happens when they're late in the cycle and it goes down? But uh, I think it's important for people to understand that uh, none of my clients got lucky and won the lottery or inherited their money. They're all first generation, self-generation, self-made. And they made it through a focus on creating value in a niche area. So in their mind, they might diversify within the commercial real estate space or geographically in commercial real estate, but they say it is more risky to trust a publicly traded company CEO who they've never met, who maybe is just trying to manage things quarter to quarter. They might see that as more risky or trust in a private banker who might charge multiple layers of fees not disclosed rather than having transparency, control, structuring the downside with good collateral on debt lending they might do, et cetera. So I think all those things are really important to know um, about about how to structure such a portfolio. And I'm happy to answer the other parts of your question, but I don't want to go on for 15 minutes and uh, drone on and on. But um, direct investments is a big, big interest for a lot of family offices as well. You're listening to Richard Wilson on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. You're listening to Richard Wilson on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. You've mentioned the focus, the, the absolute focus on a specific area or niche uh, for that these families have. Uh, are there, so some of my listeners might be listening to this and saying, well, gee whiz, you know, that's, that's, that's great information. And these families have a lot of money and so forth. But what other advice uh, and lessons can you pass on that what you've seen these families do to people listening out there that are maybe they're making six to seven figures a year and maybe their net worth is around seven to, to eight figures? I think some of it has taken the, the long-term view. Uh, what I've found consistently is a lot of the centimillionaire clients I work with is that they're very smart, but there's other people I meet who are very smart. And many times, one of the differences I've identified is that it's not that they just got lucky. They were one of the smartest and hardest working and most tenacious and most focused at the time. But there was many other people at the same time with all of those traits. Uh, so there's the top 1% of business professionals out there all working on different ventures. And whether it's the top 0.1 or 1% in terms of their abilities and, and everything else, being early on a trend definitely helps a lot. Um, how you structure a deal helps a lot. So a lot of families I meet have created a lot of their wealth through seller financing or leveraging debt or uh, using debt on real estate. 
or debt on private equity transactions or using LP capital as a independent sponsor on transactions. And a lot of my clients made money by um, being excellent, but being in an area that's a big growth market, like whether it's uh, legalization of marijuana or something that might seem a bit more scary, the expansion of uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies or, or you know, myself uh, getting into family offices before it's really exploded as an industry this past 10 years. Part of the equation is in the right place at the right time helps you, but it's not it's not the only thing by far and it's not required. Um, but I think that is something that uh, I've noticed among the clients. Like if you have four opportunities in front of you, trying to make sure that you're leveraging multiple streams of demand and multiple rising tides uh, can definitely make a big difference on deciding between those four opportunities. Like Warren Buffett said, sometimes the tide matters more than the swimmer. Uh, the swimmer always matters, but you know, you could be, you could have a Michael Phelps. If he's swimming upstream on the Amazon, you know, I might be able to swim faster going downstream. Another thing that I've picked up too, uh, just from looking at wealthy families is, is the understanding of the difference between price, cost and value really out there. Is this something that you constantly see just in the mindset of these families as well? For sure. Uh, I found that some of the uh, billion dollar plus families, you know, they, are very, they can be seen as very thrifty. And people get frustrated and like, oh, well, why can't you pay half a million a year for my base salary? You have $2 billion. Um, or why wouldn't you pay this amount for this asset? You know, who cares? It's not a big percentage of your wealth. Um, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they are if they didn't pay attention to the value they were getting for their money. It goes very hand in hand. Um, so it's quite intuitive, even if on the surface, it seems counterintuitive. It's like, well, of course, of course, they're not going to be wasteful. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been efficient enough to build up momentum, most likely, in the first place. But that surprises a lot of people, I think. Absolutely. Now, you've talked about uh, approaching family offices to uh, as far as pitching them deals uh, and so forth. And you've got some really good advice for people that or do want to approach them and do want to send deals because as a manager of a family office, that's I'm sure something that comes across your desk quite a bit. What advice can you give to listeners out there uh, with regards to networking with family office managers and people uh, inside these offices and, and structures and how to present or present them with opportunities? Sure. Um, I think the most important thing is to switch your thinking Instead of trying to hunt down high net worth individuals or family offices, try to attract them to you through a position that you obtain that's of value. Um, so everybody wants a specialist and everybody wants a niche solution for their niche type of problem. So I think that if you think about it, I've got a, a free book that anybody can uh, download if they'd like. And I sell it as cheap as possible as Amazon allows me to on, on Amazon. It's just called Capital Raising and the Five Stages of Attracting Private Investors to You. And the first stage is just analyzing. You know, look at the marketplace, look at what you could be offering them, what you could be raising capital for, et cetera. I know your competition. And then you architect and you figure out how are you going to uh, design your, your situation and design the implementation and really come up with blueprints on how you're going to raise capital and be of value. And then the third step is to really position yourself. So take those plans and start 
putting pieces in place and creating intellectual property connections, memberships that really position you as a go-to person for that area that you're trying to put yourself uh, as the go-to resource for. And then it's execution and then just iterating the plan after you're in the real marketplace and getting real, real-time feedback. And I think that if you approach it that way and put 80% of your energy on architecting a position so that you're getting cold calls and emails from family offices, um, I think it might feel like the longer road versus just calling a bunch of prospects or going out and just going to networking events. That's all you do is going out and working at Rolodex. Uh, but I found it's more effective because most people don't take the time to do that. Now, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. Uh, Richard, what are you currently studying? What new skill sets are you currently learning? Um, right now, uh, I just joined uh, Dan Sullivan's uh, Strategic Coach uh, 10X program. So um, they sent me a bunch of uh, books for that uh, to get prepared for starting it. And because of that, a lot of Dan Sullivan's topics like he's got a, a like a question that he asks people he's got the, the topic of unique ability so i'm really trying to make sure that i'm sticking to you know what my unique abilities are and really building the team around me that allows me to be you know spending 80 percent of my energy on that so that's kind of what i'm trying to really get zeroed in on right now uh, now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. Uh, so if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Um, I think the first most important one would just be to have the long-term vision you know, of complete integrity. So making sure not just integrity on the moral definition sense, but in the sense of being integrated. You know, if you really care about your long-term success and long-term success and the position you're architecting for yourself, then everything you do needs to reflect upon that. The words you use, the actions you take, the clothes you wear, the place you reside in, the friends you keep, the books you you read, etc. So having that integrity uh, with a very long-term view, I think sets you apart because most people are looking for shortcuts and they're running around, you know, uh, stressed out or being rude to people or not following up, et cetera. So uh, the second point um, that I would pass on is uh, speed of implementation. So when you learn something new or you think you have something that might add value to clients or your own team to implement it, see how it works, learn, implement the next stage, and just keep on implementing quickly so you'll learn three or four iterations down the road before the next person is still working on their business plan or still working on uh, how they might test that idea next year. Um, you know, people that get things done are ones that implement and learn from it. You know, um, like I think uh, I can't remember who said it, but you know, somebody said you can, you can read all the books you want on uh, China and you can read a hundred books on China, but if you fly to China, you're going to know more in just a couple of days of being in China than if you studied uh, the hundred books in terms of intuitive sense and lessons learned. Uh, the third thing is just um, having a focus in an area that matters. And you could apply that to yourself with the unique ability concept, or you could apply it to an industry when I talk about architecting a position for yourself. But there's so much out there that's just average, boring, gray, commoditized. Oh, I have my bachelor's degree, and I got my master's from work. Oh, I have, you know... Uh, this offering and it's an absolute return hedge fund and we have a five-year track record and you know, every, everything sounds the same to everyone, everywhere you go, most of the time. So finding something that's really unique, 
that other people can't say that's genuinely valuable, that fits kind of the uh, Jim Collins kind of three circles that fit in your DNA, you know, you're passionate about, plus you could make a ton of money doing it and add a lot of value to the world doing it, I think is really important. And I think it's important uh, to figure out that focus, you know, in different areas of your life to, to really be effective. Richard, where can my listeners learn more about uh, fa- family offices, yourself, and connect with you and uh, stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? Sure. Um, the best way would be to go to familyoffices.com. Uh, we have a family office podcast, but you know, at familyoffices.com, we've got our free book they can download, and my our phone number and contact details are there. Uh, the capital raising book, as I mentioned, is on capitalraising.com. So pretty pretty easy to remember destinations there. But our whole business model is to give away a ton, and then you know, one to five percent of those people we gave away information and knowledge to, you know, may engage us and come to a conference or buy a directory of investors or, you know, help us have them help us uh, start a family office for them or something like that. There's definitely a wealth of information out uh, out there that you guys have, especially when it comes to the wealth creation process and exactly what goes on inside of these family offices, which is very, very intriguing. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. And best of su- uh, success to you uh, in 2018 and uh, your, your upcoming conference. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on here. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining my guest, Richard Wilson, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value for you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gosh Good Newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44222. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to create passive income and become financially free. In just over three years, they've created a lease option empire with over 170 properties. They can show you how to do the same. To get cash flow within 30 days, go to joinopsproperties.com. You can also check them out on YouTube. Just search Join Ups Properties or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access an educational webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.